Well, I'm still standing for now. I told Sarah as we were starting that last song, I said, my energy is gone. I had some when we got here, but boy, is it gone now. Woo! Um, turn over to First um, Timothy chapter 3. For those who are not here this morning and missed out on the fun, um, so you know what I was talking about. I've started a new diet today, and it's... Um, involves a lot of chewing of vegetables, I found. Vegetables are really chewy. Have you ever noticed that? Hamburgers from McDonald's aren't that chewy. Like They just they go down smooth. I stopped thinking about hamburgers from McDonald's. It probably helped me out a lot. All right, so thus far in our study on Paul's uh, first letter to the young preacher, Timothy, we've looked at how... Uh, at how we ought to behave in the household of God, right? That's what Paul details in verses 14 through 15 of, of chapter 3. Paul writes, I hope to come to you soon, but I am writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. So in other words, the church supports the truth. This supports the truth that has been revealed through the apostles. That truth is described by Paul as the mystery of godliness in verse 16. He describes the mystery as great. And from the context of the scriptures, it appears that Paul is trying to inspire us to have proper conduct by referencing this mystery. So what is this great mystery of godliness? Tonight, I hope to guide us uh, in our study to a better understanding of what this mystery is, so that perhaps in our understanding, we too might be inspired to proper conduct as members of the household of God. So two points tonight to guide our lesson. First, let's look at uh, verse 16. Let's read through this and then look into the greatness of the mystery. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by the angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, and taken up in glory. Now the reason I want to start first uh, with the the great mystery is I I want to look at the word mystery. In English terms, the word reflects a withholding of knowledge, right? A good mystery novel, a good Agatha Christie mystery, uh, it, it holds... It withholds the ending, right? The plot is unpredictable, at least it should be. Um, And it's unpredictable, and we, we can't foresee the ending because we don't have all the clues. We don't have all the answers because they've been hidden from us, right? That's why it's a mystery. But the gospel isn't that way, is it? It's not a guessing game because we know how it's going to end. We've been told how it's going to end. We have all the clues because God has not withheld them from us. Now, the word mystery in the Greek is musterion. Uh, And Vine's Dictionary describes the word in the New Testament as denoting not the mysterious, like the English word, but the things that are outside the range of unassisted natural understanding or our grasp. It's something that can only be made known by divine revelation and is made known in a manner and a time appointed by God. And uh, it is only revealed to those who, uh, who filled by. It is available to those only who filled by His Spirit. Um, so He determines 
the revealing of it, right? And it's, it's for those who are filled with His Spirit. So the mystery that's being talked about here is something that had once, at one time, had been hidden, but is now uh, revealed by divine revelation, right? It's, it's, we now have access to it. So what once was hidden has now been made known through the apostles and the prophets and Christ's fulfillment of the prophecies. It's something that could not be discovered by human wisdom alone. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7. And, and listen to how Paul describes this truth. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love Him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even in the depths of God. So Paul goes on uh, in, in verse 14 and following of, of this chapter. Um, I don't have it up there, but he writes, The natural person, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. You see, it takes a spirit-filled and spirit-led man, or men in this case, to reveal the mystery. And that's who the apostles were. That was the role that they played. Paul, of course, being one of them. Now, in Ephesians chapter 3, he, uh, Paul explains this further. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, or when you read this, sorry, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. The mystery was given to Paul. I have a mint in my mouth, I apologize. I thought it would dissolve faster, but Kip only sang a couple of verses of songs. Um, but... We now have this mystery written down for us. It's God's Word. So now that we, now we have access to it, we can understand it. Because now that we have access to the Old Testament and the New Testament at the same time, we can see how the mystery is revealed. We can see how Christ fulfilled the Old Testament prophecies. But this mystery wasn't revealed just for the apostles and for the Jews. But as Paul continues here in Ephesians 3, for the Gentiles as well. So they might also become fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. It has been made known for the benefit of the whole world. All nations, as Paul describes in Romans chapter 16, verses 25 through 26. And while it has been revealed... It sometimes is 
most of the time, is well beyond our ability as humans to put it into words or really fully comprehend what it is. Oh, the depth of riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are His judgment and how inscrutable His ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been His counselor? Romans chapter 11, verse 33 through 34. There are spiritual truths that God has revealed so that we might know, even though some may challenge our understanding. For example, a spiritual truth that is often hard to understand, hard to comprehend, and and really something that people have a hard time believing that that's what Jesus means, is when Jesus said that, If it comes to it, you have to hate your father and mother. You have to hate your family in order to follow him fully. And see, we don't understand. We can't fully understand that because we love our families. We we do everything for our families. And if we have to turn away from our family, if we have to, um, you know, say goodbye and, and hate our family for Christ, is that something that we are willing to do, first of all? Or is it something that we can even do at all? So you can see how that's one of those spiritual truths that God has revealed so that we can know them, even though our our understanding is challenged by it. So Paul's teaching to Timothy is that the mystery has been revealed, or the mystery that has been revealed, pertains to godliness. So for the second point of our lesson this evening, I want to focus on the greatness of godliness. Now, the word godliness in Greek is uh, eusebia, which means reverence, it means respect or piety towards God. And the term used here with the context of the gospel teachers, that, uh, that God, it teaches that godliness or respect towards God is that humility that we talked about this morning. And it centers around, it all centers around the coming of Christ. That's what the great mystery is. It's Christ. It's what He did for us. It's what He's doing for us. Now we're going to break down each of the things listed here in verse 16 so we can understand more fully this great mystery of godliness. Jesus is God in the flesh. He was manifested in the flesh. The opening of the book of John proclaims this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then down in verse 14 it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory is uh, of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. This truth, that God would manifest Himself in the flesh, was foretold in Isaiah's prophecies. Ever heard of the name Emmanuel? The name Emmanuel, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and she shall call his name Emmanuel. The name Emmanuel means God with us. This is part of the good news that the coming of Jesus, the coming of the Messiah, God in the flesh, in this, God was working to reconcile man back to himself. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 through 19, Paul details that. So Jesus, who was manifested in the flesh, was vindicated or justified by the Spirit. How? What what does that even mean? Jesus was shown to be the Son of God by the work of the Spirit. That's what that means. 
When Jesus was baptized, the Spirit of God descended upon him from heaven, and it was witnessed by those around him, especially John the Baptist, who spoke of it in John chapter 1, verses 32 through 33. Throughout Jesus' ministry, he cast out demons by the Spirit, and his miraculous workings were done by the Spirit. And the Spirit continued to bear witness to who Jesus was through the signs and wonders that the apostles performed after Jesus had ascended. Now, some translations for this may have justified in the Spirit, which is also accurate. I think it's a, it's a complementary contrast of in the flesh when you look at literary of what we're looking at here, uh, which is in the previous verse there. So he was manifested in the flesh, and he was vindicated in the Spirit, or justified in the Spirit. So you have flesh, and you have Spirit. He was both man and deity, and his divinity is seen in his words, it's seen in his actions and his works, but also by his Father's testimony at both Jesus' baptism and on the mountain during the transfiguration in Matthew chapter 17, verse 5. In both cases, God proclaimed, This is my beloved Son, of whom I am well pleased. Ultimately, ultimately His resurrection, which was performed by the power of the Spirit, declared without a doubt that He was the Son of God, that He was the Messiah And this man Jesus, the deity Jesus, was manifested in the flesh and vindicated by the Spirit and is seen by angels. He's seen by angels right now, and he was seen by angels all throughout his ministry. Many of these angels, before Jesus came to this earth, marveled at what was to come. And they rejoiced when he was born, and they ministered to him at many times during his, his journey. They ministered to him... Uh, after his temptation by the devil, and again when he was in agony in the Garden of Gethsemane. Notice both of those times were times of great trial, great despair, great, great sorrow that Jesus was in. And the angels accompanied him, they came to him, and they ministered to him. Then as Christ left the world, the angels came down and accompanied him. And guess what? They're going to accompany him on his return as well. The gospel message, the mystery of godliness, this Jesus, flesh and spirit, seen by angels, is and should continue to be proclaimed among the nations, or as other translations put it, preached among the Gentiles. Before Jesus left this earth, remember, he gave his disciples marching orders. He gave them a job description that we should all heed. That's what our bulletin note is on this morning. But it's the Great Commission to go into all the world, to make new disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that Christ commanded. Peter fulfilled this with the conversion of Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. It was the ministry that Jesus gave to Paul and what he now is teaching to Timothy and now us through God's inspired word. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8-11 through 11 details this. Paul writes, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, 
and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and teacher. This is a very important element of the revealed mystery. This great mystery of godliness that all the world, Jews and Gentiles alike, have the same access to become fellow heirs and partakers of the promise. Paul found it to be a great blessing to preach to the Gentiles. And we should all find it to be a great blessing to have the opportunity to share the gospel with the world today. This is a dark and unbelieving world. But the next section says Jesus was believed on in the world. Now, not all believed, obviously, but many did. John chapter 1, verse 11 says that some of his own people, the Jews, did not receive him. But those who did receive him have the right to become children of God. And many of his people, they did believe in him. It may have taken his death, burial, and resurrection and the Holy Spirit's work through the apostles to bring it about, but... They still believe. Look at Acts chapter 2, verses 41 through 42, and throughout the early portion of Acts, of all the numbers of people who were coming to belief in God, who were being added to the church day by day. And for one Jew, it even took Christ appearing to him, a persecuting Jew named Saul, to get him to believe. But he did. And where some Jews did not believe, many Gentiles did. So why is it such a great thing that Jesus was believed on in the world? As Paul described to the Corinthians in his first letter to them in chapter 1, verse 8, he said, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. And a few verses later, Paul says, For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles. So in light of this, even though the the message of the cross was a stumbling block for the Jews and it was folly to the Gentiles, there were still many who believed on him in the world. That's great news. It's even greater because it's still happening today, or at least it should be, and we should be working toward that. Our Savior, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, and was taken up in glory. His ascension was foretold in prophecy. They spoke of the glories that would follow His suffering. Daniel's vision in chapter 7, verses 13 through 14, tells of Jesus' glorious ascension back to heaven, where where He would be greeted and given dominion. Daniel writes, Behold, with the clouds of heaven there came on like a son of man, and he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him, and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, all nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Amen. This mystery of godliness does not end with Christ being taken up in glory because we now live in Christ's kingdom. It is everlasting and it shall not pass away because even though He was taken up in glory, He's going to return again and He's going to return in glory. 
For the Son of Man is going to come with His angels in the glory of His Father, and then He will repay each person according to what He has done. Matthew chapter 16, verse 27, Jesus' words there. And what's even better is that we shall appear with Him in glory as well. Paul says in Colossians 2, verse 12, "...having been buried with Him in baptism, in which you were also raised with Him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised Him from the dead." And a few verses later, in uh, Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, Paul declares, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. But you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. So the question this evening is this. Have you been raised with Christ in baptism? Have you confessed the great mystery of godliness, this great mystery that has been revealed through God's Word, and from beginning to end, the mystery of godliness is great? For God took it upon Himself to intervene into the world of sinful men to bring grace to those who would believe and to be baptized, to be united with Christ, the man and deity who reconciled us to God the Father. May this great mystery motivate us all to proper conduct within this dark and lost world. As ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven, members of the household of God, let us proclaim this mystery with love and expediency. So if you're here this evening and the church can assist you in any way, or if you wish to become an adopted child of God by being baptized for the remission of your sins, now is the time where you can come forward while we stand and sing.